Hello, welcome back to Tradey Business School, the podcast where we have real conversations about how to run your trades and general contracting business more simply, easily, 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 and profitably. I am uh, joined by the amazing Joe Parney today. We're going to be talking about emotional fitness, the ultimate transformational journey. How are you today, Joe? I'm great. Thank you very much, Miranda. How are you? Good. So thrilled to have you on today. Today's episode marks the beginning of Trades National Health Month in Australia. So if you're tuning in from New Zealand or overseas, this is totally relevant to you. So stick with us. However, in Australia, it is National uh, Trades Health Month. And we're going to be focusing this month on a number of different pillars of health and well-being during the month. So today, uh, emotional fitness is just a wonderful way to kick off the month. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Joe, and what 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 is the work you're doing in this area of emotional fitness? Yeah, so I've been running my own coaching practice and training business for the last uh, 16 years, um, focusing in the last five or six years specifically on emotional fitness, which we'll have a look at what that is in a sec. Um, yeah, married for 25 years, twin boys, 14 years old, and we just uh, recently moved to Noosa and we're in the hinterland and we're loving it and it's all good things. And um, that is a very brief snapshot and a seven-time marathoner. That's it. There we go. What a <laughs> seven-time marathoner. I love it. Uh, we were just chatting about that just before we we hit record on the episode of of uh, some of my running escapades and Joe's and things like that. So we do have that in common, although Joe does like to run on the road and I like to get money on the trails. So <laughs> <laughs> you did venture onto the trail once, didn't you, Joe? I did, and I'm looking forward to enjoying it more down the track. No yeah. pun intended. <laughs> Let's kick this off with, uh, it's probably a term that many of our listeners haven't really heard of. What is emotional fitness? So emotional fitness in the work that I do is measured by the quality of your relationship with uncertainty. It's how you, it's what you correlate uncertainty to mean in your life. So it's the quality of your relationship with it. And it's something that is a guaranteed inevitability uh, that happens in all of our businesses and all of our personal lives at some point. I mean, obviously, we've experienced a lot of that in the last uh, two and a half years. Um, but it's not because it wasn't there before. It was just that it's been amplified by all the situations that we've all had to face, regardless of our philosophies. And so, yeah, it's, that's how it is. So it's, it's, it's how well, another way of saying it, Miranda, is it's how effectively you and how healthily you navigate uncertainty. So emotional fitness, by being emotionally fit, it doesn't mean that uncertainty is easier it's still hard. It just means that you navigate it more effectively versus someone who is lost in the wilderness and doesn't know how to get through. Uncertainty is definitely something that we we all face all of the time. And I think at different stages of our life, you probably um, definitely would have experienced this as well with many of the people that you've worked with is we sometimes will cope with uncertainty better at times in our life then others, certain things come up for us. And there's it's almost like there are these phases that we go through or different moments we may feel a little bit more resilient and a little bit more tolerant or maybe a little bit more able to cope versus other times. And there's so many different reasons for that and we could go down so many different rabbit holes, but we're going to stick with the emotional fitness area, which I just love. I suppose I want to ask you this, Joe, how, how do you know if you're emotionally fit? Well, that's also a very complex question, but uh, in essence, uh, an emotionally fit person 
is aware of who they are and what they stand for. So you're very clear on your value set. So in, in, in the emotional fitness world, a value is, is, is like your emotional compass. Mm-hmm. So it's having an awareness, a clarity, if you like, of what your priorities are, you know, what, um, what you'll defend to the hilt because it's something that you stand for versus something that you don't care so much about. So that's an avenue, that's an aspect of that, knowing. So it's very difficult, in other words, to be emotionally fit if you don't know what your values are. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't really clear on that. Uh, there's also then the identity side. What do you allow? So our identity is simply how we define ourselves. So what is it that we have allowed to be defined by? Do we define ourselves by our work? Do we define ourselves by our results? Do we define ourselves by our physicality? Or do we define ourselves by our legacy? Do we define ourselves by our soul, our spirit? And so where you're heavily weighted in your definition of how you see yourself is going to have an impact on how emotionally fit you are. So, for example, if you are defined by your business and results and purely that, that is all, you've just defined yourself by something external to you. And the problem with that is that whenever something threatens those results or threatens that business, you tend to take things deeply personal when something goes wrong. And someone who's at the whim of something so, so powerful on the outside of themselves is going to find it very difficult to navigate the, the stresses and the pressures and the unknowns. On the other hand, if you are defining yourself more internally, so you're defining yourself based on your values, your spirit, your essence, the quality of the character of the woman or the man that you are, and, and you're not defined by the results. It doesn't mean you don't care about the results. It just means that you can see more clearly and when the results go up or go down or stop or go on a meandering stream or whatever, you can think more clearly and make wiser choices. Uh, and, and, and the final part to this answer, I guess, is that emotional fit, how do you know if you're emotionally fit, is also being aware of the fact that you know that emotions don't respond to facts, that our emotions respond to our interpretation of the facts. Hence the reason why emotional fitness is measured by the quality of our relationship with uncertainty, which is a fancy way of saying, what does uncertainty even mean? You know, So most people, so an emotionally unfit person correlates uncertainty with fear. So anytime something becomes unknown, out of control, pressure, whatever form that uncertainty takes, if we are correlated with something scary, something that's fear-based, then the uncertainty will be controlling you rather than you. Controlling it is not really an accurate way of saying it, but you won't be able to navigate in a healthy way if that's the case. Now, the thing that's interesting about uncertainty is that when we, you know, when we defer our thoughts to nature and look at natural law and how things are just in the natural world, Anything in the natural world, when met with an obstacle, uncertainty, it needs that in order to grow. A tree needs the obstacle in order to grow. Anything in life, if you think about it, and us as human beings, we need the obstacles in order to grow. So growth is a perpetual need of the human spirit. The precursor to growth is uncertainty. So an emotionally fit person, how do you know if you're emotionally fit? They actually correlate uncertainty to growth. It doesn't make, as I said earlier, it doesn't make uncertainty easier to navigate. What it means is you become more proficient at navigating it, but you also become someone who is a more 
conscious person. And what I mean by conscious, I'm not talking about moral compass there. I'm talking about where you consciously design your life to consciously uh, uh, invite uncertainty into your life. Because if we don't have a healthy dose of uncertainty coming into our lives on a reasonably consistent basis, we stop growing. And anything that stops growing, it doesn't stay still because everything, our businesses, our relationships, our everything is either growing or dying. So an emotionally fit person uh, understands that uncertainty is needed in order for growth. Now, as I said, in the middle of that uncertainty and in the middle of that drama and that issue and that problem, the last thing you want to hear is someone saying, you're growing right now because that's not really appropriate in the dilemma of the darkness of the situation. But you know that there's an element of you that is aware that when you get through this, you know that you'll be better for it. And in having that awareness, we become a more professional, conscious inviter of uncertainty in our lives. So in other words, we start creating healthy challenges for ourselves so life doesn't have to do it for us. Because one of my favourite sayings in life is that you are either squeezing life or life is squeezing you. Well, either way, the squeeze is happening. So we may as well be the conscious contributors to that. Mm. Uh, so many, so many places I could take what you said. Uh, the, you know, what I heard a couple of things in that I'd love to to sort of circle back into is one of the things you said at the beginning around our identity and our identity being uh, such an important part. It's the who am I? And I hear it often is that I am a plumber, or I am a an electrician, or I am a tradie, or I am a contractor, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And as soon as you hear those types of statements, you can you can hear an enmeshment of self with the identity of with the the vehicle of. And I know you've talked to talked to to you know the, the vehicle of people's careers a lot, Joe. And the problem with this that can come up, the problem when people evolve through business that I, I certainly witness a lot is when they begin to transition through different stages of life and there's, there's a sense of feeling lost and empty and directionless. So I've got my business to the stage where it's running and I'm in control of how things are going and I've got some people and I've got some clients coming in and I'm, I'm in, I know my numbers, all of those things. And now I've got the time back that I wanted. I've got freedom of choice. And then they're, they're sort of staring into this abyss of uncertainty. And what do I do now? And there's a, a sense of loss in that. And that's where I, I see this unenmeshing, this um, the separation where I, they're, they're moving out of that identity of that business owner and that vehicle to who am I next. And it's a really, really important stage. And I think for everyone listening to be aware that this does happen for everybody at some stage in your career or job where you begin to transition within self and you might begin to wondering, well, what's next? It's an important point that you bring up because, um, you know, Another way of looking at emotional fitness yeah. is that it's a journey of ambition to meaning. As you know, you've been in many of my rooms. So the journey of ambition to meaning it means that we are on an organic values evolution, values transformation continually, and it happens in a very subtle way. It's like, you know, what matters to you at the age of 50 is very different to what mattered to you when you were 20. The things that used to excite you in the past no longer excite you now, and that's because you're on this journey from ambition to meaning where your priorities shift, what takes your focus and attention and and time 
changes. And, and transformation is often confused with change. Um, it's Transformation is not change. Transformation is where you're becoming something that you haven't been before. You know, getting changing is like, you know, I'm changing office. I'm changing my clothes. I'm changing um, something, you know, whatever it might be. Whereas transformation is becoming something you've never been before. Change presupposes we need a reference point to know, well, what have I changed from? You know, if I'm changing, what have I changed from? Transformation has got no reference point. So, so when we go from the ambition to meaning journey, we're going through a values evolution, a values transformation. And so what can happen is, and I've, and I've heard this so many times over the years, many dozens and dozens and dozens of times over the years, where someone achieves all of the uh, success and the ambitions of the world. So, you know, as you said, they've got the numbers, they've got the money in the bank, they've got um, all of the successes that, you know, Success 101 defines as success, which is, you know, you're a winner and you're doing great and you've got, you know, you're doing well financially, et cetera. And then that person no longer is needed in their business anymore and they get lost. You use the word abyss. So they get lost and they don't know what to do with themselves or where to turn to next or what they're going to do next. And unfortunately, what happens in a lot of people, they only know what they've known because transformation is moving into something that's got no reference points. And what they do is they turn their back toward transformation and they go back and they start another business and they start another thing. And they're just doing the same thing. It's just a cosmetic changeover. So it might be a different industry. It might be different. And, and some people go, well, it's a healthy challenge. Well, if it's a healthy challenge and you actually enjoy it, then rock on, go forth and do that. But for a lot of people, they do it because they don't know what else to do. So the ambition to meaning journey is where you are no longer defining yourself by your physicality, your results, but you start defining yourself by your legacy. And, and by legacy, I mean, we all know what legacy means, but by legacy in this context, what, I'm, what I mean is where you begin to realise that your purpose now has, has been redefined. No longer are you, def- you know, purpose is no longer how much am I winning. It's defined by service to humanity. It's, devi- it's defined by how much value am I being to somebody else? So the focus starts to change, especially for men where the ambition to meaning journey, and this is speaking in sweeping generalizations, of course, so this is not entirely accurate, Uh, but for most men, their shift from ambition to meaning is a shift from away from self-absorption and they start focusing on others. They start focusing on serving whoever it might be, their family, their community, some other market, some other group. Uh, women experience it the other way around because women in the ambition-driven world typically have been sacrificing themselves for their businesses, for their careers, for their children, for their whatever, right, whatever it might be. And then the day arrives where she says, enough is enough. It's time that I valued me as much as I valued all these other things. It's time that I prioritise myself. And she becomes more self-focused in the meaning-driven world where she focuses on spiritual development, growing her esteem, growth, you know, personal development, all those kinds of things. This is all an organic thing. And organic, of course, means that you can't stop it. It's happening off its own due course. That's one of the reasons, not the reason, but one of the reasons why there's so much anxiety and depression in the ambition-driven world is because it, all the power psychologically has been outsourced to the outside. 
You're defined by things outside of you. And it's also a comparison game. How am I doing to Miranda? How am I doing raising my kids in comparison to that guy over there? And how's my business going? It's all comparison, comparison, comparison. And as my dad said to me so many years ago, no matter how bad you are, there's always someone worse. No matter how good you think you are, there's always someone better. So playing that game is just you're just going around in circles. Whereas in the meaning-driven world, there is very little anxiety and depression mm. because it's not about the self. It's not about winning anymore. It's about there is comparison and you're just simply comparing yourself to where you were yesterday, not in terms of self-improvement but in terms of who you're becoming as a woman and a man. And by becoming, what I mean is where you're on this conscious journey in the meaning-driven world to take the path that brings you closer to becoming an unconditionally loving human being, which is really quite challenging in the world, but it's nevertheless possible and we've got access to that. It's about working, doing the work to get to that, to that way of being. And um, it's a different goal, it's a different mission, it's a different purpose. Mm. It's interesting what you're sharing about the the ambition to meaning driven world, and I I do wonder that many business owners and people that are in the phase of the ambition driven world, and I will say there's no good nor bad or right nor wrong. It is an <laughs> evolution and a transformation through these. It's something we will all as human beings go through. So there's there's zero judgment around I want to move forward and how can I force this movement forward? I've got to get into this meaning-driven world because it feels better. However, for those that naturally have been in over the last few years in the ambition-driven world, I do wonder whether um, in general the experience would be a little bit more unsettling. Um, there would be a little bit more of that, uh, as you said before, you know, the non-clinical um, anxieties and depression. Mm-hmm and struggles because the results that they're after and the control over the business and the getting based, um, the, the establishment of, of business and acquiring clients and hitting revenue targets and whatever growth or success uh, was for uh, those business owners during that phase, um, were well, there were a lot of obstacles in the way of that. There was a lot of struggle around hitting those targets. So I think the, their internal worlds will have, I guess, created an experience which would be different to those who were in the meaning-driven world during all of that, that time. I think this is where it's really important that when we are caught up in the challenges and the dramas of the ambition-driven world, is that we need to take stock and taking stock means getting things into perspective. So one of the five, you know, in in my emotional fitness work, you know, there are five focus points and one of those focus points is perspective. And, um, you know, the the old cliche, you know, hey, you've got to get things into perspective here. You know, that's so true. A cliche is a cliche because it's actually accurate. It's just been overused, right? But it's so true. And so um, it's really another aspect of emotional fitness is having a very healthy and clean perspective that you can lean on when you get caught up in everyday dramas. So what what this means is that, you know, there might be some challenges with what's going on this week with X, Y, Z. And and again, it doesn't diminish or make the situation necessarily easier. But um, when you've got a bigger picture view of things, when you've got a macro view of things, that's taking stock of things, and you start to identify or define for yourself so what's really important in the situation? What, what is the purpose of me having this business in the first place? 
is it fulfilling that purpose? Is it tumbling me forward toward that purpose? Or am I lost in the abyss of nothingness and lack of direction? So having, having that perspective, a healthy, clean perspective on where you want to be as a man, where you want to be as a woman, in terms of your character, in terms of who you're becoming, is that business still the vehicle for that? And if it is, you'll handle the dramas and the issues with a sense of healthy purpose. If, on the other hand, there is no meaning and it's not actually making you uh, a better person, it's not contributing to your character, it's not making you better than what you were than before you started that business, then the question has to be asked, for what purpose are you doing it? And it can't be any other reason. It can't be just to make money. You know, that's the conscious surface level reason why we're all in business is to make money. But if that was the only reason, I'm telling you now, as soon as you get to, uh, you know, the second and third battle of your challenges, um, money is not enough of a reason. You need more than that. You know, one of the things I love is when I hear leaders talk about uh, the journey, the process instead of the outcome, you know, and it, it really is about, you know, because part of perspective is how is this business contributing to my, to my becoming as a woman and as a man? How is it helping me grow and expand in terms of my soul, in terms of my values, in terms of who I am? That's part of having a healthy perspective, a clean perspective. And from there, you can sort of like navigate more clearly. It's, so, it's almost like if, you know, you've got, uh, you know, bushes up to chest high and you've been crawling through and caught up in the micro dramas of all the underbrush, perspective allows us to stand up and look above the chest high view of the, of the bushes. You can see above, you can see the vision of the future. So that vision of the future is not more, 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 more business, more money, more income, more houses, because we've, we've all been there, either literally or metaphorically, gone around that circle many, many times. We know that it doesn't lead anywhere. It's like a dog chasing its tail. What it really is about is what is this vehicle, the vehicle being your business, allowing you to become? And is it contributing to that? Is it nudging you toward becoming a professional human being? And a professional human being is someone who is consciously doing their best to become a unconditionally loving kind human being. And by the way, there is no such thing as 20, well, this, this statement's quite strong. It's, I don't know if it's accurate. I think it is. I haven't met anyone who's 24-7 unconditionally loving yet. Obviously, that includes myself. So it's about having the intention to respond to life differently because all that's going to matter on the day that you die is not all the businesses that you've done and worked out. All that's going to matter is who have you become? In fact, if I could just go on a bit, a bit of a Mandarin stream just for a moment, Miranda, and that is that, you know, there was a guy called Dr. Raymond Moody who wrote a book called Life After Life back in 1975, and that book has been revised dozens of times since then. He has interviewed in excess of 20,000 people who have experienced what they call near-death experience. A near-death experience is where your body and your brain actually stops functioning physically and you're pronounced dead, uh, almost, <laughs> or you're in the process of being pronounced, and yet your consciousness is still in your awareness, still operational, and then something happens where you come back into your body, and to put it simply, your life continues, except you've, got, you've had this insight onto, onto the other side of the veil. Now, what's interesting about these 20,000-plus people that Dr. Raymond Moody has interviewed in all these years, there are themes that are consistent that, the, that these people report back. And, the, and these people are all from... Different cultures, socioeconomic backgrounds, 
men, women, all kinds of, like, it, it matters none what sort of human being you were, what sort of physicality, what, where you lived in the earth, how much money, little money you had. It, it had nothing to do with it. The themes that came through were consistent. And one of those themes that came through was an awareness where you were asked, it was almost like you were asked by something, how well have you loved and how well have you allowed love in? They're the perennial questions. They're the only two questions that matter. And when you are wanting to build a healthy perspective on things so you don't get caught up in the dramas of your business every day, there's nothing wrong with getting caught up with the dramas of your business if you are conscious aware, you know, you're aware of it, you know what's going on. And I'm not talking about knowing what's going on in that drama. It's knowing, having an awareness that this is a vehicle for me to learn how to love. It's a very different way of looking at things. But I'm telling you now, that's they're the only two questions that really, really, really matter. So that has got to be a part of the awareness of a very healthy and clean perspective because you need that to lean on when you get caught up in the micro-dramas. So the dramas need perspective. Without perspective, you get lost. You, you absolutely get lost. Yeah, oh, I love it. I wanted, one of my favourite questions to ask in this moment is what would love do? In this sure, moment, absolutely. What would love do? Sometimes when we're faced with something, we need to make a decision about something, and something's going on. We're feeling maybe some internal drama, and we're noticing and we're we're aware of it. Is to ask yourself in this moment, what would love do? Sounds like a really uh, for many of you listening, it's probably a bit of a strange question. Try it on, give it a go next time, and and mm-hmm. answer it. See what comes up for you. And when you when you do it a few times, you will become more familiar with the answers. It's really interesting to. Notice how it will uh, change your perspective on on your decisions and, and the outcome you're wanting. Just to touch on the perspective, you're talking a lot around purpose, and you know a lot of the work we do with clients in our programs is, is around their vision and their mission and their values, and it's it's super important. And I definitely notice different levels of levels of sort of, sort of it makes it sound like there's levels, but different I guess frames of of people's visions that they have for their business. And some of them are very much around what the business is currently doing at that stage and the outcome or or the product or service or being the best maybe around what it is in, uh, in at that particular stage. You can definitely see shifts in the type of vision that business owners will have when we work with them in terms of the ambition versus meaning and where they're at in their thinking and their evolution of self because the vision that they have for their business is very much more around what I would classify as a contribution-based vision, um, contribution or an impact on, on the world outside of them. And, you know, I'll always say there's there's no good nor bad over either of these. It's where you're currently at in your business. Really uh, important that the business owner, and if any of you are listening, thinking, for what purpose am I in my business and why am I doing these things? Yes, you want the results of money and financial freedom and time and all of those things. It's the, it's the journey of yourself within all of this that Joe and I are chatting about today and connecting in with them, being aware that there is so much more than the, the money and the time. It's who you're being in all of that and what will you choose to do and become with that time and freedom that you get and thinking through what do you want for yourself as a more personal purpose and vision you have for yourself and for your life. Now that's evolving and how your vehicle of your business will enable that, support that, and, you know, um, help you grow and, and achieve those things. 
And it's the awareness that we have in the decisions that we make and the responses we have throughout a lot of what you've shared today, Joe. I'm hearing um, the the awareness allows us to respond versus react. And yeah. we can bring those frames of perspective and things like that. So having awareness over we have choices in, in these things. And as we become more emotionally fit, we become more adept at responding um, functionally and gracefully. Yeah, well said, well said. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it really, it comes down to that, you know, conscious awareness, you know, the awareness of, you know, highlighting so many things that we've, we've uh, you and I have just chatted about, and that is being aware of, you know, how is this contributing to my character? How me, the way I'm handling this drama or this business or these issues or this, you know, these goals, you know, what's this got to do with contribution? How do I see it? I mean, I could be, and I know that you've probably heard me in past trainings, you know, joke around about becoming a bus driver, for example, right? But, I mean, if, if I was, if, you know, pretend we were all bus drivers here, it's the way that you look at it. It's not the role. So it's not like a, contr- a contributing kind of role it doesn't mean that you have to become some kind of world, worldly character that goes around making a difference to people in a literal sense. It's the attitude that you bring, and a bus driver can do that. A bus driver with that awareness and that psychology greets their passengers in a very different way to a regular everyday bus driver who is just doing the job as a means to an end. Because if a driver is doing a job from a means to an end, you know, they won't even see you coming on the bus, Miranda. They'll just be focusing on the next stop or when their thing finishes or whatever that's going on, right, they're focusing on themselves. But if, on the other hand, you know, that bus driver is someone who's aware of the power of contribution, the power of meaning, the power of everything that you're doing is making a difference, you know, and you come onto the bus or I come onto the bus, they're going to acknowledge us in a very different way. They're going to acknowledge us with a smile, with a, you know, the, the fact that we exist and all that kind of thing. It makes a massive difference. And, and so our attitude around this awareness contributes massively to how we adjust and adapt to whatever issues are going on. We can see above them, you know, and it's going back to that perspective conversation we had a few minutes ago. Mm. And I'll add to that, I love that, adjust and adapt and attract. So yes. we'll attract to us. So with the energy that we're bringing, the being uh, that bus driver will attract people. I bet, you know, that we run that metaphor on. People will be queuing up for that bus with the bus driver that is making uh, the right about others rather than himself. Yeah, and it's like and it's like if you think about the ripple effect of that, Miranda, because if that bus driver is someone who's aware and you know has got a contribution-based psychology and awareness, you might argue, oh, well, that you know, Miranda and Joe are catching that bus because they have to catch that bus every day to get to their destination. Sure, but how Miranda and Joe are gonna feel catching that bus with that with that particular fellow or that particular driver is gonna be very, very different. The experience, the mood, the the ripple effect of that might seem very small and inconsequential, but it's actually quite massive because that's all you have is everywhere that you're walking, all you have is your inner world experience. You can't, and this is another aspect of this, I guess, potentially opens another doorway, but which we haven't got time to get into, but it's kind of like, um, you know, you don't have, none of us have got access to reality itself. We've got access to our perception of that reality. And so that bus driver who is treating us kindly and with a smile or whatever, or a bit of a joke, a bit of humour, whatever, 
has an impact on our inner worlds when we're catching that bus home or catching the bus to work, for example. And our inner world is how we feel about ourselves. That's the reality is how the mood and the emotion that we're feeling as we're walking down that street. That's our, that is life right there happening. Mm. And, and that has an impact also on your capacity to then handle the challenges of the day if you've got that as part of your day where you can revert to that because you've got people around you who uh, acknowledge your existence in a very meaningful way. Mm. I can hear people, you referred to legacy earlier and it just came up for me then as you're sharing that and people go, I want to leave a legacy and ultimately business owners, many of them, I want to to leave some kind of legacy for my family or maybe whatever version of that exists for you as you're listening. However, I'd invite you all, you know, thinking through our bus driver conversation, what are you talking about being a bus driver? I'm I'm not a bus driver. However, I like to think of it in terms of living your legacy. So in this moment, we have a choice that we can live our legacy now and be the person that we want to become rather than waiting and in every moment continue to evolve consciously through these things. So um, there's so many rabbit holes we could go down, John. I could, we could just chat for quite a few hours. You've got something you want to say? Go just one, one last thing I want to add, Ray. I know we're going to wrap up now, but I just want to add one more thing. You know, I back in the 90s, I because I've got a psychology background, la, 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 and I worked as a rehab counsellor for a couple of years at Ford. I actually got lost in my career back in the 90s, back in 95, 96. Didn't start my coaching and training business this business until 2006. So for a number of years, I worked in real estate. I, I didn't know what else to do with myself. All I knew is I wanted to work with people. And uh, the guy that I worked for was a, um, it was a father-son business, right? And I remember his focus. I mean, sure, we had sales meetings every week. You've got to keep your eye on the targets and the goal, you know, all the stuff that's going on, all the numbers to run the business effectively. That's the pragmatic side. But his macro view, his macro focus was his mission was to make us better people. So we walk into his organisation, we work for him for a number of years, and he, his goal is to make sure that we exit whenever we exit as better people than what we were before we walked in. He was very process-driven from that perspective. There's a football coach in the AFL whose name is... Um, I've forgotten his first name now, McRae. McRae, that's his surname. He, he coaches Collingwood. Um, I've forgotten his first name. Anyway, he's, he, he, that's all he's been talking about. With all the dramas of the football field and uh, the characters and stuff, he says, what I care about mainly is that they become better men when they finish their AFL careers. And that reminds me of my old boss. And the reason why I'm bringing that up, and I thought a great way for us to wrap up this chat, is because for those people listening who've got employees, you know, that's a different spin, isn't it? It's a different perspective. It's a different way of focusing, of, of saying to yourself, well, part of my responsibility or part of my way that I get meaning from this is that I want to behave and act in a way where I'm making this man or this woman or this team member a better person as a result of how they watch me respond to pressures and uncertainties. So I just thought I'd wrap up with that because it sort of links into the bus thing that we were talking about. It so does. It's interesting you raise that. I've been working with a couple of clients just in the last couple of weeks, and I've very much noticed this in trades businesses, uh, is that their vision that they have for their business is to create a workplace that has a culture and uh, is trained and mentors and creates an experience of growth for the apprentices and or other you know staff and, and qualified uh, trades that come through that business. One, because maybe they've had a really crappy experience 
when they were trained and in their early stages in their career. It's it's definitely a theme I see coming through within our businesses a lot is around that, that making better people and creating an environment. It's um, definitely a subset of the vision that many of our clients have. So it's, it's funny that you touched Great. on that. Great to hear. Love it. So, Joe, how can listeners find out more? Because there's so many things we've touched on. I know you've got your five key pillars of emotional fitness. That we've we've talked to them, but not really in a strictly structured way. And for those of you that would like to find out a little bit more about, about emotional fitness, where can they find you? Um, well, there's two places. There's uh, joepane.com.au, which has got uh, all of the focus points there and the link to the podcast that I have. Um, but if people want to tune into a weekly little mini training session, it's free. It goes for about 10, 15 minutes. Uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, feel welcome to join our private group called the Emotional Fitness Hub. Um, there's dozens and dozens of little 10, 20-minute videos in there that I've done on, on emotional fitness. We've got a wonderful uh, group of people there. I'm the gatekeeper, so we make sure that the um, – the, uh, the idiot factor is deleted. <laughs> but the Emotional Fitness Hub is my blessed closed Facebook group that uh, I really love going in there every Wednesday and doing a, a live video for about 10, 15 minutes. So feel welcome to join that. Uh, or you can join it uh, directly through Facebook or you can go to joepane.com.au and you can join the hub through there as well. Um, either way, all good. Lovely. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm a member of that group. I always enjoy uh, Joe's perspective and uh, constant learning and evolution of our thinking and, and growth as well. So that totally excites me. So jump on in there. Um, and also, if you've not joined our uh, Tradies and General Contractors Global free Facebook group, we do a very similar thing as well. So we'll share tips and tricks and I'll do a free live as well in there every single Thursday. Uh, so jump on in there as well. We've got a number of other episodes that you can tune into. In fact, just uh, one of our earlier episodes just recorded, Barry and I, just last week was about living by default versus design. So Joe touched on a little bit of that as well earlier, so you can circle back through all the other episodes in this podcast. So wherever you are uh, listening today, thank you so much for your time, for your ear. Uh, very grateful that uh, you tune into these episodes and very grateful. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining me today. Thanks, Miranda, and thanks uh, for, for everyone who's been listening. Much appreciated. Bye for now.